Many of you have asked for it, and so I spent some of my paternity leave creating it, an introductory stoicism course. The best part? I've launched it using Gumroad's pay-what-you-want model. So if you want to pay $0, you can get the course for free. That's right, free. Learn more and enroll in the course by going to understandingstoicism.com. That's understandingstoicism.com. I have used a lot of commerce platforms in the past. By far, the most robust is Shopify. No matter how complex your business needs and no matter how large your business grows, Shopify can handle it. And they do handle it for brands like Rothy's, Ruggable, Allbirds, Knox, Magnolia, Brooklinen, Glossier, and Cotton, to name a few. You may already use another e-commerce platform, and you may be super unhappy with it, but you've already put a lot of work into it, and migrating to Shopify could seem impossible. But I'm here to tell you that it is quite easy. When I migrated to Shopify back in 2022, their apps and tools meant I just had to make a few clicks and everything was ported over as if by magic. Shopify also lets you design your storefront however you like, which, from personal experience, I know isn't the case for many other commerce platforms out there. All these features and all this control can result in more sales more often. So stop leaving sales on the table, switch your business to Shopify today, and discover why millions trust Shopify as their all-in-one commerce platform to build, grow, and run their businesses. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial at shopify.com forward slash practical, all lowercase. That's one month for just $1 at shopify.com forward slash practical, shopify.com forward slash practical. Good morning, Town. Welcome back. Glad you're here. It's Tuesday, which means it's time for one of Seneca's letters. Before we get started, though, I wanted to thank you, a lot of you, for deciding to sign up for the $2.99 ad-free version of this podcast. I think we increased our numbers by like 50% in just a few days, and we all really appreciate it, and we couldn't be more encouraged by it. It's really amazing. That said, I will get right to the content of today's episode because I know the free listeners have just had three minutes worth of ads and they want to get to the content, not a bunch of thank yous from Tantan. Instead, they probably want to hear from Seneca. So let's jump into Seneca's 10th letter. Yes, I do not change my opinion. Avoid the many, avoid the few, avoid even the individual. I know of no one with whom I should be willing to have you shared. And see what an opinion of you I have, for I dare to trust you with my own self. Crates, they say, the disciple of the very stillbow whom I mentioned in a former letter, noticed a young man once walking by himself and asked him what he was doing all alone. I am communing with myself, replied the youth. Pray be careful then, said Crates, and take good heed. You are communing with a bad man. When persons are in mourning or fearful about something, we are accustomed to watch them that we may prevent them from making a wrong use of their loneliness. No thoughtless person should be left alone. In such cases, he only plans folly and heaps up future dangers for himself or for others. He brings into play his base desires. The mind displays what fear or shame used to repress. It wets his boldness, stirs his passions, and goads his anger. And finally, The only benefit that solitude confers, the habit of trusting no man and of fearing no witness, is lost to the fool, for he betrays himself. Mark, therefore, what my hopes are for you, nay, rather, what I am promising myself, inasmuch as hope is merely the title of an uncertain blessing. 
I do not know any person with whom I should prefer you to associate rather than yourself. I remember in what a great-souled way you hurled forth certain phrases and how full of strength they were. I immediately congratulated myself and said, these words did not come from the edge of the lips. These utterances have a solid foundation. This man is not one of the many. He has regard for his real welfare. Speak and live in this way. See to it that nothing keeps you down. As for your former prayers, you may dispense the gods from answering them. Offer new prayers. Pray for a sound mind and for good health, first of soul, then of body. And, of course, you should offer those prayers frequently, calling boldly upon God. You will not be asking him for that which belongs to another. But I must, as is my custom, send a little gift along with this letter. It is a true saying which I have found in Athenodorus. Know that thou art freed from all desires when thou hast reached such a point that thou prayest to God for nothing except what thou canst pray for openly. End quote. But how foolish men are now. They whisper the basest of prayers to heaven, but if anyone listens, they are silent at once. That which they are unwilling for men to know, they communicate to God. Do you not think, then, that some such wholesome advice as this could be given to you? Live among men as if God beheld you. Speak with God as if men were listening. I find this one a little odd in closing because of the personification of God by Seneca. It's an odd thing to suggest that one live as if God were watching you, but let's skip over that for now, and we will return to it in the end. From here, let's start at the beginning. Avoid the many, avoid the few, avoid even the individual. This advice seems oddly unstoic at first pass, as it seems to be suggesting you withdraw, which we know in Stoicism, your role in a society is certainly not to withdraw, but to live up to the responsibility of your roles, whatever they may be. So here too, at the very beginning, as with the end, Seneca is coming off a little more strangely than usual, in that he's coming off strange at all. He then goes on to suggest that being left alone with yourself is an unfortunate thing, if you are an unwise man, which makes it seem like he's contradicting himself. He's not, though, and here's why. When Seneca says avoid, he means avoid as you think he means avoid, but only when he's talking about the few and the many. When he talks about avoiding the individual, he doesn't mean other individuals, he means you, the individual self, because an individual left alone to his or her own devices is a threat to themselves. They are unguided, unwatched, and they will stew, they will fester, They will plot things, and they will confirm things that are in alignment with their own uninterrupted thinking, which, if they are not a sage, is perhaps not a terrific thing. This helps some of the next passage to make more sense. Quote, And finally, the only benefit that solitude confers, the habit of trusting no man and of fearing no witnesses, is lost to the fool, for he betrays himself. Here I want to share Graver and A.A. Long's translation of the same line. It reads like this. The only advantage of solitude is that one is not confiding in anyone. There is no fear of informers. But the foolish person loses this advantage, for he betrays himself. How does he betray himself? My understanding of why this is a betrayal is twofold, and I might be missing something about this particular letter. I think I am, but I'm not smart enough to know what it is. So here's what I came away with. First, 
it's not generally beneficial to be in a headspace where you feel you are not accountable for your thoughts. When we are alone, for example, we might say unkind things that we would never say in front of others. So the benefit of being alone is that you're away from others, but if you're a fool, you use this time to do an even worse version of damage than a crowd could do. And then second, that confiding is actually a good thing. That building the sort of friendships and trust required to confide is more important than safeguarding your thoughts, especially if you're only to share them with yourself, a bad man, as Crady said. That is, not a sage. This is driven home a bit by the later part of the letter when Seneca talks of men who say things to God that they would not say to others. And that's kind of silly, right? You're speaking to God, and you're doing so in a way that you wouldn't want other people to hear. You're saying shameful things to the creator of the universe, I guess in this context, and you're fine with that God hearing it, but not with a regular old human being hearing it. That's kind of a weird priority, right? And that brings us back to the personification of God bit. I want to say that I feel Seneca's advice here is good advice, even if he phrases it in a way that I feel is a bit too personal, God, for me, although it's not clear to me in this translation whether he's still quoting when he uses that language. He might be, so that could account for it. So this could be a translational error on my part or on the part of the text that I'm reading. But, you know, the translation is from Gumer. It was written in 1917, and I think all translations have a slant. It might be that Gumer had his own towards a more Christian worldview. Or again, it could be that Seneca is just still quoting when he uses this language. But then again, Graver and Long use the same verbiage in their translation. You'll notice that it didn't leave the word God out. It was still there. But we do know how the Stoics viewed God. They viewed it as nature. They didn't often personify it. But Seneca wouldn't be the first person to break away from that because Epictetus did it too. Possibly most famously, it was Epictetus who personified and personalized God in a lot of his writings. This is perhaps evidence that not all Stoics thought of God in the same way as Zeno, Chrysippus, or Cleanthes did, and perhaps even those three didn't agree with one another way back then. But there is a suggestion that the God talk, when it appears especially in Roman Stoic writing, it's more about trying to appease what is a cultural norm at that point, or an increasing cultural norm which is the belief in personified gods. So there's some talk in academic circles that this is just an indication of, you know, saying certain words to make sure you didn't get in trouble kind of thing. Maybe that's true, maybe it's not. I don't know enough to say more on that. I've, I don't know enough to say more on that, but that is something I've heard somebody offer as a reason for the, the God talk in some of these texts. In any event, good life advice from Seneca today, I think, and I'd like you to consider it yourself today. How often do you spend time with yourself, solidifying your own beliefs and thoughts, and is that something you should be doing? Might it be better to get out into the mix of mixed company? Isn't it better to have friends who can challenge you, to make you think harder, to make you think differently? If you haven't already, join us in the Discord at stoicismpod.com forward slash Discord and let me know what you come away with. I would love to know. Thanks for listening today, and until next time, take care. Thank you.